I was about 18 years old. I was at this yoga class and I heard the guy who was kind of like the owner of the studio is his girlfriend's studio, but like he was, you know, say worth, I think like a hundred million. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like I just wanted to, you know, get close to him and, you know, hey, how'd you become so rich? And he goes, I'm not rich, I'm wealthy. And he goes, I'm wealthy because like my money makes me more money versus being rich. And like, I have to always be doing it. And that was just like a really powerful distinction that 15 years later, I still remember. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Jordan, welcome to the Better Wealth Podcast, my friend. Caleb, I really appreciate you having me on and have admired what you have been creating from close and, and afar. You know, it's it's funny. We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I have never had a conversation, just an initial phone call, just go as like smooth. And what I mean by that is, you know, so many people, like we have so many mutual connections. I was just like, this is unreal. And just how relevant you you are as it relates to helping people build wealth, helping a lot of my friends run better businesses. But you also are just your fingers are in so many things like you're traveling outside the US and Canada right now. You help people be more effective. You're running a you're going to be launching a mastermind for for youth. You're you love talking about like mental health. Literally, I think I could just spin a wheel, talk about a random subject and we could talk and have a really engaging conversation. So overall, man, for those of people that don't know who you are, your story, why don't we give a little bit of background? This is the Better Wealth Podcast. So I want something to do with helping people live more intentionally, help them with their wealth. But as you and I both know, wealth could be your health. It could be your actual money. It could be in how you show up. It could enhance your cash flow. And so I'm, I'm really open-minded. How's that for an intro? I appreciate that, Caleb. And I do love our mutual friends and, and how you show up in the world. So uh, a little bit about me, originally from Canada, was kind of like the star athlete, star student, and decided to go down the, the path of, of drugs. And that, that was a rather interesting three years, which you know culminated in dropping out of college on a golf and academic scholarship. And so just like really like what I took from that, I, and I ended up getting sober, like just before my 22nd birthday. And just like, you know, it's amazing how these little decisions compounded annually will like change our life. And, you know, when I first started using substance, I was like, oh no, I'm never going to become a d- drug addict. That only happens in, in movies and then yeah. like, you know, rough neighborhoods. And so, you know, here I was this, this upper middle-class kid and, and really went down a destructive path. So, you know, really what I want to like take from this is, you know, it's, it's those little decisions, right. And, and they can come out annually and, you know, we, ne- we never know how our actions affect others and how we can show up as a better version of ourselves. And back to some of our mutual friends, I've had the opportunity of, of speaking around the world and doing some, some really cool things and, you know, meeting some really cool people and becoming friends with really cool people. And just, you know, one of the, the things back to like, you know, living intentionally is always, how do we deliver value? How do I deliver value in, in this conversation? How do I deliver value for your audience? How do I deliver value to the server at the restaurant? Right. Totally. Uh, if you had a business card, what would the 
one sentence be if you had to summarize what you do? Yeah, I connect and empower genius creators building the future. Wow, guys, I did not script that ahead of time. I didn't give him that uh, under the under the table. That was that came from uh, you just being that good of a communicator. Dude, I really appreciate you being on here. One of the questions that I want to go just delve into right now is when did you hit the end of your rope? I think for each person, it's different. Some people, they they wake up and it's not, they're not maybe an addict, but they, they're just unhappy and they've been coasting for 10 years and others have literally had a near death experience. So it's like, what what is your story? And then how do you translate that into helping people wake up and start like living our one life well? Yeah. So my rock bottom was like a culmination of of three weeks. It was just, I spent my 20th birthday in jail. I was almost beaten to death and I I was homeless. Right. So it's like three weeks. It seemed like everything could go wrong. And and in my mind, I'm like, Oh no, I'll figure this out. This isn't that bad. We can like put this together or this together. And so like my rock bottom was really intense, but the definition I love for rock bottom, Caleb is the moment that we decide to change. I like it. So that could be a Friday afternoon at, you know, three o'clock going, you know what, I'm over this. I've, I've listened to a hundred episodes of Caleb's podcast and, and now it's finally time to take action on that. Right. I like that. Another way to say that is when you hit rock bottom, say, say that one more time. So rock bottom is the moment that you decide to change. I like it. I like it. So it could, it could be really intense or it could be really easy, but just, you know, we might decide to change many times a day. Yeah. And um, how do we do yeah. that? And this, uh, I apologize if this is not relevant to what we're talking about, but my grandpa, who is now deceased, he was a smoker uh, for most of his life. And he had a moment where he quit cold turkey because he was in the hospital. I don't know why he was in the hospital uh, for if it was smoking related or if it was just something else related. And he saw somebody smoking through a tube. And I think for him, that was the moment that he said, something's got to change. I love that definition because a lot of times we get emotional about it and we think like, oh, this is just for, again, we like go way, <laughs> welcome to America. We're, we're the country of extremes, you know, it's like way over here. But at the end of the day, I think there's so many people that are starting to wake up and saying, wow, something's got to change. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to give you credit and then eventually steal that from you, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I love just that. Steal, just and, steal uh, it. The, that, how that can translate. So let's, let's talk about the world that you're living in and just like you coach a lot of people, you coach a lot of people that I know. What are some of the things when, that are just common that come up uh, when it comes to just saying like, I know this is like a very general question, but it's like, hey, I want to live more intentional. I want to become wealthier. I want to like just, I want more out of life. What are some of the questions that you're asking and what are some of the paths that people are taking that are common right now with high performers? Yeah. So one of the questions I'm always asking is like, how does this make you feel? You know, how does this make you feel? How does this make you feel? And really diving into the beliefs because there's always some kind of of belief that has us acting the way that we are and, and to really be able to separate like the belief from, from who you are. And, you know, it's a really, powerful distinction but when we can get out of our heads and out of our experiences you know and it's just like getting that fresh perspective right like i'm i'm sure you have coaches and mentors and you sit with them and you're like oh my gosh i never even thought of that as a possibility and um you know it's 
but it's easy to get wrapped up in the like, go, 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 go versus, okay, let me take a pause, take a step back and, and reframe everything. When it comes to building wealth, what is your definition of that? And what are some of the things that you've learned in just your own life as it relates to, you know, building, keeping wealth? My definition of building wealth, I would almost say it's like building experiences Yeah, is, is really, for me, extremely wealthy. I, I really look at my relationships as, as my wealth and, you know, obviously money coming in and, and going out and how do we be strategic as, um, you know, we continue to, to evolve and, and grow and, you know, become, become wealthier. And, um, you know, the way that I look at, this is kind of like an interesting story. I remember um, I was about 18 years old. I was at this yoga class and I heard the guy who was kind of like the owner of the studio is his girlfriend's studio, but like he was, you know, say worth, I think like a hundred million. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, like I just wanted to, you know, get close to him and, you know, hey, how'd you become so rich? And he goes, I'm not rich, I'm wealthy. And he goes, I'm wealthy because like my money makes me more money versus being rich. And like, I have to always be doing it. And that was just like a really powerful distinction that 15 years later, I still remember. Yeah. So being wealthy is your, your wealth as an asset is, is working for you, whether you're working or not. And I think a lot of times when we think of rich, we think of high consumption and high income. And that, that's a treadmill that a lot of people can never get off. It, it's interesting when you look at, when you look at a lot of people that come work with us, the high income earner, doctors, lawyers, um, they sometimes are in a worse position because they're making a lot of money, but their lifestyle is so inflated. And a lot of people would see them, the, the second home, the cars and be like, wow, like they're rich, but at the end of the day, they're stuck. And uh, it's just it's just interesting perspective. I, I love the definition of wealthy versus rich. Uh, anything else? Because I know that you've I mean, you're friends with a lot of thought leaders around money. Any any other like a money epiphanies that you have? And then then I want to get personal with you. And just how do you think about money? Because I know, again, this this shows all about helping people think differently. I know that you probably have a definition of wealth that some people might not agree with, but you're living intentionally. Yeah, so some of my friends kind of like around money. I, so personally, I love, I look at money as just like, I don't want to say fun tokens, but like different ways of, of creating freedom and, and experiences. Um, you know, so it's, it's just a different, different way of, of being and different, uh, way of, of interacting with the world. Um, you know, it's like, how do you, I don't know. I think this is a, an interesting short story is I was just out of town this weekend. Well, I kind of like permanently out of town, but I was in, in Medellin uh, working with, with a um, partner and um, like he was sleeping and, and I was basically like going for a walk really early in the morning and there was a homeless guy and I was like inspired to give him some money. So I, I, I give him some money and he was just like, so grateful, Caleb, like, you know, blessing it. And like, just there was this genuine excitement. And, and I like go to walk away and I'm like, you know what? I have breakfast for two. So why don't I take them for breakfast at the hotel? Wow. 
And it just led to, you know, this was something like I've already paid for. So it's not really like additional money coming out. He spoke no English. I speak basically no Spanish. And we just had like this most magical two hour interaction that like, it didn't take a lot of money, but like his day was shifted. My day was shifted and, and we were able to connect. Right. And, and that's, you know, something that say money can't afford. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely, I don't know. It's just like a different, different way of showing up. And I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, I was able to have that experience. And sometimes we think like, you know, how do we, we don't really want to give the homeless person money, but you know, how do I give them a bottle of water or some food or, you know, something like that in order to really shift his future? Let me, let me run something by you and I would love to get your thoughts on it. So uh, Investopedia considers an asset of something of value. So on a balance sheet, if your assets are greater than your liabilities, you have a net worth, a positive net worth. Robert Kiyosaki talks about assets, put money back in your pocket. Um, My definition of an asset is um, something that helps you live more intentional. So if you have no assets, you're the one that's on the treadmill doing everything. You, You could say that you are the asset of your life. When you have other things like businesses, potential real estate, other investments, and they're working well, ultimately they should be enhancing your ability to live more intentionally. Intentional living sure. for, for me is just living with intention, doing what you want to do with the people that you want to do. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, very much the freedom. So what are your initial thoughts on that? Because again, I, again, I have a ton of respect for people like Robert Kiyosaki, but I almost feel like we need to go one step fur- further and say, okay, why is having money put back in your pocket important? So the, the piece that comes up for me, Caleb, is anything that somebody is saying, like, you have to do this, somebody is doing the polar opposite and is just as successful, if not more successful, Right. which it's very like, you know, everyone does. It's so easy to make blanket statements, yet very, there are no really blanket statements other than, well, and even some could argue like we're all humans. Right. <laughs> like some could argue that there's aliens amongst us or whatever that, that looks like, how do we live intentionally? How do we, right. you know, create our own philosophies? Well, and it makes us value certain things. Like another framework that I, that I teach is an asset-based activity. What is the thing that you can be doing with your time that can, again, what's the metric help you live more intentional. So by me speaking to you right now, not only are we, you know, recording it and, and it's going to have a bigger impact than just you and I talking but this activity is multidimensional. And so it's, again, it's just one of those things where if I could get everybody watching this or listening to our show to start thinking about being intentional with every moment. The reason I love the intentional living is intentional living for you looks different than it looks for me. There is no right answer. There is no, like you are, if you could retire at 55, that's success because maybe some people don't relate with retirement and maybe some people would want to choose a different path. So it's just, again, it's like, I do feel like we need to have some type of mental framework to think about, but it's got to be loose enough so that people can really lean into what that means for them. I a hundred, hundred percent agree. And, and this is, this goes back to like the moment of change, right? Like you can find what's working today and then tomorrow it's not working or the next day it's not working. And how do we, how do we continue to evolve and continue to change? And, you know, just 
like you, like you said, right? Like coming back to that core, which is which is so vital, and it's easy. You know, I, I write about this in my in my latest book called The Connection Effect. Like it's easy to be so distracted by all the content coming to us and the pings and the the beeps and the this and the that. But like, how do we how do we be intentional with our lives and with our oh. money? Two questions, um, and this is the problem with my interviews. Is I usually ask like multiple questions at a time. <laughs> uh, my first question is: I want to hear more about your book, the, the you know the connection effect, and just what like what made you write that, and just some of the, the key nuggets from that. And then I know that you coach a lot of leaders and operators, and I'm just I'm curious from a standpoint of like what's going on in that world. What are some of the themes? So um, you can answer those questions the way that you want, but those are the two that come to my mind. Yeah. So uh, Connection Effect is my latest book that I wrote um, after leaving, exiting one business. I, I kind of like took a, took a step back and go, okay, what do I want to be known for? And in looking at my story of like, what is the, you know, the common theme, right, Caleb? Yeah. And, and it kept coming back to connection of, you know, I was disconnected so I was using drugs or I was connecting in these rooms that from an outsider's perspective like I shouldn't have been in these rooms you know the connection effect is, is really all like about that connection to ourselves right like first we have to connect to ourselves then we can connect to others and then from connecting to others we can connect to something greater than ourselves and so the the chapter that really comes to mind and you know working with all these entrepreneurs is there's, there's two. One is digital distractions, right? Like we have grown and, you know, you're a couple of years younger than me, but like you've grown up with yeah. technology, right? Like yep. you, you maybe didn't quite, or maybe, maybe you did have an iPad, like in, in I didn't childhood. get a phone until I was 16 and I was really bitter about it, but I'm grateful that I didn't have a phone before then. And my first smartphone was when I hit college. So I'm still like, but, but again, technology was there. I just had parents that were very conservative and I was frugal. So I didn't want to spend money on my own phone if I didn't have to. So, uh, but yes, I, we did grow up with technology, but I'm probably for someone my age was probably a late bloomer when it came to all the, the newest technology. Which I, I think is one of the best things because yeah. you got to build your confidence right. before all these things started coming in, right? Yeah. Like to the 12 year old on, on Instagram, looking I, at the Kardashians and comparing her life. Like, dude, I can't even imagine, um, Facebook when I was, I mean, I, that was the platform that I was most on during high school and college. And I can't imagine, I cannot imagine growing up being eight years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, having TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, like I uh, I don't envy any parents trying to navigate that world. Um, now you see you see like kids that look like they're twelve years old with with a you know the new iPhone, and you go like, what in the world is a twelve year old doing with an iPhone? So it's just it's, it's interesting. It can happen quick, right? And, yeah. And this is where you know back to kind of like substance abuse. Like it only takes one bad decision, right, or one slip. And, and I remember when I was working a lot in, in high schools is if a girl sends you a photo and you send say a naked photo and you send that to somebody else, like you're potentially in the middle of, uh, 
like uh, a sexual yeah. distribution. Yeah. And, and, and for that girl, like that image is forever potentially on the internet. Like you yeah. can't get that stuff off. And, you know, I, I think it's really, it's sad what happens to so many of these kids. Cause they don't know yeah. the real ramification. They're like, Oh, it was just on Snapchat, but like they could take a screenshot and <laughs> well, it lets you know if it take a screenshot. So it let you know they took a screenshot. Yeah what are you going to do? They have that photo when your brain's not developed at 12, 13. It is scary. It's, it's scary. I mean, you know how Facebook sometimes brings up like the memories, like 10 years ago, you posted this. And I, I remember like getting one of those and just being like appalled, like just horrified. I'm like, Oh my goodness. What was I thinking? But then you look back and you're like, I was like 15, 16 years old, which by the way, I think is like very, of age. I mean, these people are, you could drive a car when you're 16, but I'm like, what was I thinking when I wrote that post? And so I can't imagine. And I was like on the ultra conservative, mature side at 16. And I was still like cringe. And, you know, every time I posted things like my parents would see that. Now you look uh, with things like Snapchat, TikTok and all this, it is very interesting. We could do a whole podcast on just that, you know, I guess what predictions do you have? Like if you're a parent, you're someone that's coaching somebody who has kids. What are you telling them? Because on the flip side, you don't want to be the only parent that's sheltering your kids. And now your kid is growing up with no phone. And now like, but it's, it's like, it feels like a lose-lose situation. What is your like two cents before we move on? Yeah. The, the big thing is just like having an awareness about it and being able to have those conversations with your kid. Cause I don't want to say like everyone's doing it, but most of them are, are doing it. Right. And right. You know, there are so many, it just comes down to the education piece, right? And and like your parents sound like did a really good job of of not having you in that world. But I mean, it's, you know, I, I was just, um, you know, talking with somebody who has an eight-year-old. I'm like, have you guys talked about sex yet? And she's like, no. I'm like, well, just because you haven't, she's eight, like her friends are 12, right? Like her friends are talking about it. So how do you have that difficult conversation and, and just like really be open with these yep. things. I love it. I love it. Talking about subjects that we don't really talk about on the better world podcast. So thank you. <laughs> um, all right. So let's, let's shift over to the high performers, operators, leaders, obviously one of the, another f- mental frameworks that we talk about is you are your greatest asset. You know, another way of thinking about an asset is something that provides value. You as a human being, how you show up, how you think, how you communicate. That's, I mean, there's a lot of value that stems from there. Um, What, as someone who coaches and is present to those type of people, what are some of the key secrets you could say that you've learned, some of the key questions that you ask um, and just helping people up-level their ability to communicate and lead? Yeah, so a really good question is just like, you know, uh, back to the one thing, right? Like, what is the one thing that you can do today that's going to move the needle, right? Like, who's the one conversation? Who's the one person um, that you can connect with? What's the one problem that you could solve? Um, but really, you know, basically, like you've hit it on the head, right? Like being really intentional. And and the guys that that I work with that are the most successful, like, are super intentional, right? Like, they're going to say no a lot. They're going to push things off their calendar. They're going to work with 
their, their family, they're going to, you know, be, be strategic about certain things and, you know, or some other, another trend is, I think an interesting thing that comes up is, is workaholism, you know, cause it's easy to go 24, seven, 365, especially now with, with yep. technology. And so one of the things that I'm always trying to work with is, okay, what are your downtimes? How are you recharging? How are you rethinking about things? How are you, um, you know, being more intentional with your time um, and, and cutting out the filler stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I can relate with that. And I think sometimes be, like being an entrepreneur, you don't know what's ex- like, because you're like being the pioneer, you're, you know, cutting down the forest, you don't know when, like when is enough. And I don't mean that from a standpoint of like, you know, oh, you're good, you get a star, but you're like, genuinely like workaholism comes from not not having clear score scoreboards or knowing what we want. That's the other thing. It's like going back to the money side is if you don't articulate where you're actually going, then you could be saving, investing, you could be doing things that are not rational, but you have nothing to measure. So you don't know if it is or not. And so I've just, I just can't stress enough the importance of thinking with the end in mind. And would you say that that principle just is relevant, whether you're a leader trying to be a better communicator being a better spouse, being a better parent, being building wealth, like having really good understanding of like, what, what's the even the point in doing this? Yeah, no, I mean, great, great points. And, and so true, because it is easy to, to get off kilter, right? And it is easy to get distracted. And how do we, how do we come back to our, our true north, right? And, yeah. um, you know, create, and, and this is why I named uh, the new community Genius Creators is because we're all genius at something. Yep, like it. And it's, and it's our job to find that genius and, and share it with the world. Yep. Right? Like you're absolutely genius at, at looking at people's financials and, and helping them create game plans, right? Like, yep. and connecting with people. Like that's, that's your genius. Okay, cool. Like let's build yep. some opportunities around that. And, and that's like the second piece is, create right like we all get to create life and create whatever it is that we desire so all right so i know that you're working on a new book and i know that it's going along with like a new mastermind network that you're creating do you want to delve into what that is all about and the genius behind that yeah so um the new book is is really interviewing some of the like the top thinkers on the world that are 35 and under right and and being able to have conversation with them around like what they define as success, um, as well as some of their like non-negotiable uh, daily practices, um, which is, you know, as, as you know, working with such successful people, it, like it all comes down to the day to day. And, um, you know, the, the back end of that is, is really like a community where, you know, a mastermind of some of the brightest minds coming together to solve some of the biggest problems and, and share their wisdom and share their experiences. So that like, you know, I, I really look at it as, and when I was starting as an entrepreneur at 26, like I really wish this community existed. And, you know, you know, a lot of the communities that I'm in now, it's like, I'm the youngest person in the room by 20 years. Like, how do we, how do we be, you know, really create that community to uh, foster shifts and changes in the world? I'm with you, man. I can relate to being the youngest person in the room and it's, it, it's inspiring. It fires me up, but it also is like, man, uh, all generations can benefit by, you know, people of different ages talking. 
and I'm grateful for my family raising me in a way that I could communicate with young my younger siblings and their friends. But then I also my dad would drag me along to to business networking events and when he travels and I'm speaking to doctors at a booth and uh, it I didn't I now looking back I'm just so grateful for that. There's a lot to gain. Any themes so far and what you're learning from how people define success and daily habits? I would say just like, it's not always about money. Yeah. You know, we might think success is, is all about money and, and cars and, and this and that, but like, sometimes it's just being happy. Yeah. Um, being at peace. The, I, uh, yeah. I think that message is going to become more and more popular. I'm starting to see trends and themes of people like, oh, my parents, all they did was work to have money for what? They almost like worked for the money. And I'm, I'm seeing a generation come up where it's like it, it's the status is really the experiences that you have. Um, and we'll, we'll see if that also can be damaging if it's all focused on that um, and people don't value the, what the dollars can be now and in the future, but any, any thoughts on that? Well, and, and that's like, you know, exactly what you're saying. Like, how do we live in the present yet also like still plan for the future? Yep. And that's, you know, well, we got guys like you helping us <laughs> with, um, you know, cause, it, cause it is easy to just be totally in the present and, and not thinking about the future. And then it's easy to be too far in the future and you're not enjoying uh, yeah. the present. So Gordon, is there anything else that's, that you're present to right now that you're just, you know, that's on your mind, uh, in just the world that you're in. I think one of the aspects is, is kind of like travel and, and travel restrictions. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's on my mind, you know, try not to give it too much energy, but it's, it's a little disheartening. Is, uh, are, have, has, have you lost any speaking gigs because of, of travel and, this podcast is not going to release right away, but obviously we live in a, a very uncertain world. And the cool thing is whenever this does get released, people will still be able to relate because I don't think, uh, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel quite yet. Any Anything from a standpoint of just like, has this highlighted something in, in just humanity for you? Or is it more so just like the logistics of getting to the States or speaking at the next gig? Yeah, I mean, part of it's just the straight logistics, right? Like the COVID test, the not COVID test. Like, you know, I've gone from, say, Portugal to, to Sweden and like had to create documents in, in the airport sort of thing. And, you know, they say you need one thing and then you get to the airport and it's like you learn. Like I when I, I went from Sweden to the U.S. and like the, the regulations in the U.S. is like, a PCR test within three, three days. Right. So I have that. And then I get to the airport and they're like, where's your second test? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, you're flying through Amsterdam. So you need one within 24 hours, you know? So I have to like run around the airport and, and get yeah. a second test. Um, so, so just like stuff like that. And, you know, how do we, I think kind of like at the end of the day is how do we have more compassion for our fellow humans? And we're all struggling with something. Yeah. And, and how do we um, just have compassion for each other and, and yep. be able to, you know, one of the, the newer frameworks is like, first we have to connect with ourselves, right? Like we connect with ourselves, we can connect with others and then have compassion, right? Yep. Like 
I, I need to have compassion for you. And if I have compassion for you, I can understand your perspective instead of saying like, oh my God, I can't believe you're, you're thinking this. Like, you're a really smart person. Help me understand your reasoning yes. and your thinking here. Yep. Um, you know, which is the compassion. And then from there we can collaborate, which is, you know, obviously all that we're doing here is like, okay, how do we, how do we collaborate? How do I help you get more clients um, and vice versa? And then from there we can create, uh, you know, the new future, whatever it is we decide to create. So, you know, I, I really love this framework now because we're struggling with the compassion, right? So how do we connect? How do we have compassion from compassion? we can um, collaborate and in order to collaborate, we can create because, you know, no one's going to solve this problem. No, like, and this is on our, on our last call was like, everyone could be talking about finances that there's still going to be opportunity, um, you know, and you can partner with, with big people in the space and, and there's still opportunity right. and um, you know, we can create a bigger pie. Yeah. I love it, man. I think go, just going back to the empathy part, I mean, in a world where it seems like so many people are divided around mandates, around politics, around, and just by saying that, YouTube's going to now flag my video, it can create some friction. And I, and I find that if we can just seek first to understand, you know, thank you, Stephen Covey, I, I, I feel like a majority of people, there, there are some crazies on both sides, right? But I feel like majority of people, we're just a few misunderstandings away from really like being on the same page. And, you know, it's just one of those things where we, I, I just really appreciate you articulating what you, that, because I think uh, we all can spend a little bit more time listening and, and then really seeking to understand before, you know, judging and, you know, speaking, speaking death into other people's lives. Oh, it's, it's easier said than done. Yes, and I agree. And that's where, you know, it takes change and takes people yep. like us being willing to sit in that uncomfortability. And that's, that's the piece where the true magic lies. Gordon, I, I appreciate you being on the show. The way that I end all of, all of these episodes is what I call the legacy question. And the legacy question simply goes, if this was your last day on earth and you were with the people that you love the most, you couldn't give them anything like your book or any video that you've done or any of your keynotes, but you had one last conversation with them, what would that conversation, what would you highlight in that conversation? I would say just be the change you wish to see in the world. And I haven't necessarily done this as well as I would like is yep. enjoy the journey. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, get a, I get a C, C minus for that, but, but I, I do enjoy the journey. I just need to do a better job celebrating the process because I'm so much in the clouds and sometimes I don't do a good job saying, wow, like, look at where we've come from, not from a standpoint of like, look at me. It's the, well, this is amazing that we live today and we're able to do what we love. Yep. No, it's, uh, it's easy to focus on the destination versus the journey. And, right. You know, how do we, how do we be the change we wish to see in the world? How do we enjoy the journey? You know, and, and just kind of like the final piece is, is how do we connect? How yep. do we have, you know, deeper, more meaningful connections? And I will say the be, be the change you want to see in the world can come across as cliche, but it's very true. Like at the end of the day, it's easy to say, hey, I wish so-and-so or I wish people would be better listeners. We'd be shocked. We'd be shocked if we were the first person to do what, you know, it's easy to see the, where other people need to improve. But it's like, man, this is, this is where we can move the needle. 
Gordon, thank you so much. How can people be connected with you? How can they get on the list to uh, get your future book set that uh, when that comes out and just be aware of the future mastermind that you're going to be doing? Like what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah. So the best is just send me an email. It's gb at geniuscreators.org. So again, that's gb at geniuscreators.org. That's usually just the best. So send me an email and uh, have my team uh, put you in the right right funnels and channels and uh, just continue the conversation. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.